I'm Coral and welcome to the 4th Street Digital Podcast, Episode 3. In this podcast, I cover ideas, practices and techniques for online teaching and learning. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about fostering an online community of learners. Um, so <laughs> obviously this year, we're in 2020, this year has been a crazy year. Um, so many of us have had to move our learning online and we've been online for a really long time. Um, so more than ever, it's really, really important for us to be able to try and to create these communities online because it can be more difficult. People can feel more isolated because they're not seeing people face to face. And it can be a lot more difficult to create that sort of community class atmosphere that you might have been able to do quite easily in a face to face environment. So what I wanted to do in this podcast was just cover a couple of things, um, a couple of hints and tips on ways that we can maybe start to foster that community online. So I think the first thing to cover are why are online communities so important? Having a really strong online community or community feel can encourage student engagement. So where you've got learners who are at a distance, perhaps from all over the world, and maybe it's within your company and it's, um, you know, mandatory training you're asking people to do. When, When we're asking learners to motivate themselves, some people can find that extremely, extremely difficult. Whereas if they feel very much part of a community, if they feel like it's a community activity, it can really encourage people to get involved and to engage in those lessons. It also enhances the student journey. We all know what it's like when, you, when you're when you studying with other people and you're getting lots of ideas and discussions and you know you feel like it's very lively and it's very much part of your journey. That just enhances everything about studying online. Feeling part of a community makes you work harder and makes you feel um, more engaged with the content. And I think ultimately the most important thing is it helps learner well-being and mental health. So all of our learners and for us as you know as teachers, instructors, trainers, um, mental health and well-being is so so important particularly in the current climate But all the time, when you're studying online, when you're delivering things online, having a space and feeling part of a community and feeling like what you're going through and and if you're struggling with elements of the class or what's being taught, other people are as well. And being able to know that you can reach out to people um, and and have a community that has your back really helps with mental mental health and well-being. So it's, it's really, really important that we engage with these kind of concepts. One of the main things is that to sort of build a community requires a certain amount of organic growth. And that's something that we can't necessarily control all the time. It's something that we just have to, um, you know, we have to put things in place. We have to encourage, we have to foster is, is the right word, sort of foster that community, but we cannot force a community. And I think that's one of the main things that, you know, there may be times that you put everything into place and there still are people who do not engage and um, that's unfortunate, but it, it does happen. And I think as long as you are putting these things into place and you're you're trying some of these techniques, then, you know, you're halfway there. Um, and also think about, um, you know, have a look at some of the communities that you're involved in online. Are you involved in any Facebook groups, for example, um, hobby groups? Are you involved in a family chat online? You know, what kind of things do you do online? How do you communicate with other people? And what keeps you invested in those? What keeps you going back to them? What sort of things are people doing that you can maybe pull across into your own online teaching? And I think the most important thing is to remember that there's no one size fits all approach here. So it will be very much dependent on your learner group, the age, 
what sort of subject area you're teaching and all of those things will change how you might approach this. So I think the first thing to say is in the first few weeks, and I'm going through this in a sort of chronological order um, because I think that's the easiest way to map it out, but in the first few weeks of a class or a course or training, whatever it is, I think that the key thing is that those first few weeks are going to be quite heavily instructor-led. So um, you are going to have to put the groundwork in, you're going to have to encourage the learners by showing them how you want them to interact. So by going in and posting um, things in a discussion forum, for example, by answering people, by um, you know being part of that community yourself and asking questions and encouraging people to continue discussions. So starting with some um, sort of easy icebreakers can be a really great way to start that community very early on. Don't be afraid to get people to work uh, collaboratively and in teams from the get-go, from those first few days, from those first few, first few weeks. Get people working together and, and discussing things. So just having really simple icebreakers like, you know, um, asking people to record a short video which um, where they describe three of their um, hobbies, for example, and you do the same. So that's what I'm talking about when I say it's instructor-led, that you need to show by example. So you can then record your own short video, post it in your discussion forum, on the website, your VLE, however it is that you as a group are coming together and ask other people to then respond to that and do the same. And then you're going in and you're responding to the other videos and encouraging people to to sort of be involved. And I think one of the key things is to humanise the process. So when you are online, it can be harder to create those relationships and those bonds because people feel like you're at a distance, they don't really know you very well. So just humanise that process. Let people get to know you. Let people into your life a little bit. Obviously, we need to keep boundaries in some sense. You are an instructor, a teacher, um, but you can let them in. And that's the beauty of being at home, that we can bring in our pets, for example. We can bring in, you could ask people to pick three objects from around their home, take photos of them and upload um, with a little description of what those things mean to them. For Just as, just as an example, you could ask people to take a photo um of the view from their window that they're sitting at or from a window in their home or um, three things to describe their area. There are lots and lots and lots of things that we can do to sort of encourage that collaboration very early on. Um, And I think, you know, talking about encouraging that, the first few messages you send to your students should really set the tone for how you expect people to interact. So sending a message that has really clear instructions that says, I want you to communicate like this. I want you to respond to people like this, you know, and just really being clear about what you want people to do. And that's true as well um, of any activity you're asking people to do. Now is the time when you're online to to over-communicate, over-communicate what you want people to do, particularly depending on your learners, if you have lots of international learners, um, depending on the levels and things like that, now is the time to over-communicate. So if you're asking people, for example, to post, um, I don't know, you know, ask people, I want you to post a short video or an audio clip or a slideshow that describes who you are as a person, that is a really broad topic and people can get a bit lost or confused and they think, what if I, you know, they think, what if I do this wrong or I do something really different to everybody else? Provide them with like four or five bullet points on top of that. So say, if you're not sure of what to cover, here are some key things that you could do. 
And then in your example, you can cover those things as well. So it's almost about making sure that things are really clear and consistent. Um, and that way people will understand what they're supposed to do and communicate in that way as well. Um, and consider using video and audio more often than you normally would. So if you're running a course online and people are completing sort of self-study activities, maybe they're running a discussion forum, most VLEs, most virtual learning environments, will allow you to upload short um, video or audio um, as a response to an activity or a discussion forum um, and consider recording short clips saying, you know, well done, this is great. Because again, it's that tone and it's the it's the way that you speak and, and how you present yourself that people don't really see online. And encourage your learners to do the same. Say, you know, just record a short audio um, saying why you like this or what you thought of this post or what have you thought of this activity and encourage people to use the video and audio options um, and and do that yourself as well and I think you know that brings me that brings me nicely actually to my next point which is to have multiple ways of participating so one of the reason that people um, don't engage and then often feel isolated and don't feel part of a community is that the community starts to come together in a way that they don't have access to so I've seen it before um, in teaching where a group of students perhaps are using one particular social media channel um, let's just say WhatsApp, for example. Um, and then there are student, other students on the course who aren't able to access WhatsApp. So immediately they are cut from that social group and they miss out on all of the discussion and all of the stuff that happens outside of the classroom. So it's really important that, um, you know, you, you can't control students. You know, you can't control your learners. You can't control how they choose to communicate there will be natural um, cliques and social groups that form. But what you need to do is make sure you are providing within the work within the classroom um, and within your sort of learning environment, multiple ways of participating. So where I was talking about, for example, as an icebreaker, asking people to upload a video, also say they can upload audio, also say they can upload um, a PowerPoint that they talk over the top of with imagery. And, and give people multiple ways of communicating so that you're providing them with lots of different ways to kind of get involved. And then as you start to move through the course, if you encourage these um, elements of collaboration really early on, you will notice that group starting to, that community starting to build. So if you are someone that's running live training sessions, but there are no sort of self-study activities, you could encourage people, you could say, okay, after the live lesson today, I'm going to leave the lesson open for half an hour if you want to stay and talk about things. Or you can encourage people to communicate um, in a different way and you could have people talk beyond that group and beyond that lesson. And that will work really, really well um, if it's something like company training, for example. Create a, a Facebook group or create a Google Doc or create something where people can go beyond that live training session. But the, the way to sort of encourage that is to really focus on peer-to-peer -peer learning. Um, so whether that be um, peer assessment or whether that be collaborative activities that you ask them to take part in, and whether it be you know working in groups for, for certain things and really focus in on adding in and building in those peer learning moments throughout your course. And don't be afraid to to put those in, they don't always need to be assessed, um, although it does it does help in some cases to have a very small percentage of a group mark um, to encourage people to, to work together. 
but you can build in this peer learning um, throughout throughout your course and that will help with the online community. And I think on the opposite end, thinking about social spaces and going back to what I was talking about earlier, um, having a space that people can socialise, so whether that be creating a discussion board um, within your virtual learning environment that is um, you know, like I've seen, I've seen it working really well as a sort of weekly roundup of things that are happening in the outside world. You could post a prompt as a teacher, or you could just let it be a free fo- um, free sort of conversation, um, a cafe board or a Q and A board where students can answer each other's questions. And actually, I've seen this work really, really well in terms of teacher to teacher communication as well, because it's equally important that we, as trainers, as teachers create a community amongst ourselves to share the best practice that we're learning while we're teaching online. There might be wider business or wider um, university activities that are happening online that you can point students to. So it's not something that you're running, but there might be like a virtual quiz running. There might be a virtual museum tour. There might be multiple kind of virtual events happening. Um, A lot of societies are holding virtual events. And you can point your students to these kind of things and say, look, these things are happening and encourage them to also be part of the wider community of learners, not just within your classroom, but wider than that. So either within your university, within your company, within your centre, whatever it is, just encouraging that participation in some of these wider activities. And I think, you know, something that always works is showcasing students who are doing it well, you know, Um, encouraging people and saying, you know, well done, you really interacted fantastically or you really... um, you know, responded well to people um, and and sort of encouraging the community in that way that this is how you want people to sort of interact together. I think just to sort of finish off, um, I want to just talk very quickly about when you're hosting live events. So whether it's a live class or a live training session, try to think about also not just launching straight into the training or launching straight into the class. Can you start or end that lesson with a bit more of a social discussion? Um, you know, can you um, play some music, for example? Um, there's nothing worse. We, you know, we've all done it where you come into a training session or a classroom online and it's just silence, you know, and there's just like a placeholder image or a placeholder slide um, and it's just silence. Whereas if you can sort of play some music or just, again, humanising, making um, it more comfortable for your learners. So just think of some of the ways that you can create a bit more social aspects within your training or within your class without taking away obviously from your learning. So a couple of things you could use um, very quickly are um, Flipgrid is really fantastic for this. It's great for creating um, sort of communities and it's free um, if you just go to flipgrid.com and essentially what you can do is you create a little task and students can respond with a video message and it's all built into the website itself and there's lots of ways you can do this. I've seen it used really fantastically recently for graduation messages. I've seen it used as sort of introductions in the first couple of weeks of term and it's a really great way to see all of your class, all of your training, all of your people together. Um, Padlet is another one that's really brilliant because it can be used for so many different things and essentially it's a board um, that you can create. People can add columns to it, they can add sections, they can add video, they can add audio, they can add imagery. Um, I've seen it used as a map um, and people sort of pinpointed where they stayed and and said a little bit about who they were as a person. And all of these things are just fantastic tools for you to use 
to help create that community and help bring learners together in a different sort of way. So I know I've kind of sped through all of that today, but um, to kind of sum up, you know, thinking about creating areas where students can interact socially as well as formally, connecting with the wider events, you know, setting those clear standards on communication really early on, not being afraid of utilising collaborative projects and assessments and designing your discussions, your group work really carefully to kind of help foster that community um, and, and making it personal and, and humanising a little bit and letting people know a bit about who you are and, and asking that of them in return. Um, and that's that's everything for today. So I hope this episode has been useful. Um, remember to subscribe to keep up to date with any new episodes and check out some of our resources on our website for some more ideas around fostering an online community of learners. Thank you and join me next time on the 4th Street Digital Podcast. Bye.